Good to be saved tonight. Amen. And go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew chapter number 10. And I apologize to the Florences. I think this is the second time they've heard this since they've been on furlough. I apologize. Amen. Might be the third time. Amen. But they, they've been with us and this. I can't get this off my heart. And I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful uh, for preacher and Miss Nolita. I'm thankful that you have a heart for missions, church. And don't stop that. Uh, I'm thankful not only do we have a, a, a heart here to give to missions, but we are sending missionaries. And I'm thankful for this being a place that is an atmosphere that is producing young people and young families that are going. Amen? And I thank God for that. Let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's Word, Matthew chapter number 10. And we'll be reading there. Get out of the way. If you did not hear Brother Peter Chamberlain's message this morning, uh, you need to go back and listen to it. If you heard Brother Peter Chamberlain's message this morning, you need to go back and listen to it. Amen. Tremendous, tremendous. Help my heart. Uh, Matthew 10 verse 1. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Dear Lord, thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your loving kindness, and your holiness. Thank you for uh, the, the meeting this week. Thank you for the service thus far. Please speak to our hearts through your preaching of your word tonight. We love you, Lord, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. Might be started, uh, seated tonight. Uh, I, I love this text. And if you were here Sunday morning, we dealt with chapter 9 and we preached on praying for laborers. And then uh, Tuesday morning, we dealt, we went over in 2 Timothy 2, and we dealt with producing laborers. But tonight, I want to preach on this, projecting laborers and sending forth laborers. And when doing that, uh, I, I like to promote missions trips. I like to see young people go on missions trips. Amen. My first trip to Papua New Guinea, Brother Josh, he, he took us on that dinghy down the river. And Brother Samuel almost died. Amen. And uh, so uh, it's good to go on a missions trip. It's good to go get a little dysentery, amen, and eat some stuff you're not used to and, and get ate up by mosquitoes and sleep under a mosquito net. It's good to go on a missions trip, amen. And uh, so, but I, I, love the, I love the idea of missions, the missions trip, but really uh, this is the first missions trip. If you read Matthew 10, this is the first time the 12 go out. Now please don't come up to me after church and say, Brother Chris, Jesus was the greatest missionary and when he came from heaven, that was the, I understand that all right but he's sending people out here and this is the first mission strip and I love Jesus he's always sending people he is always sending people out Jesus is sending the 12 out here and then a little later he sends 70 out and then a little later than that he he has 120 we know in the upper room and then before you know it there's 5,000 or 3,000 and 5,000 talk about multiplication Jesus is getting the work done amen uh, so tonight I believe we can look at this first mission trip and apply it to missions in general or to a trip that you may go on. And I want to recommend whether you go out west or up to the northeast with Preacher or go up with Brother Peter Chamberlain or go see the Andrews or the Florences or uh, come and go with us. Amen. I, I recommend that you go on a mission trip. Amen. So we see the first thing 
in this first mission trip is in verse number one. We see the power for this trip. I love that this chapter starts out with him calling his 12 disciples and he gave them power. Amen. Hey, can I tell you what we, what they old timers had the most of? I believe we had the least of a lot of times. Amen. Uh, they said that a praying John Hyde when he got to India that all of his contemporaries were mad because he, they were all going to language classes and they were all learning all of this stuff so they could get up and preach in the language and they said Mr. Hyde would go bury himself away and fast and pray for two weeks, come out bloodshot eyes, can't speak a lick of the language he would get an interpreter, preach for 15 minutes and a thousand people would run down the altar and get saved hey I'm not, I'm not saying don't learn the language, can I get an amen right there there is a balance in all of this but you hear me, we are missing that power and we need the power of God if we are going to accomplish anything uh, for the glory of God. Amen. And there's nothing God wants to do more than to put his power on people who are willing to take the gospel. Did you know? And see when we see, when we hear the term mission strip we think staying in a mud hut, hut in Zimbabwe don't we? Amen. Hey did you know when you go to the grocery store you're on a mission strip? Hey did you know when you go to Walmart? Hey God bless you you need the power of God at Walmart. Amen. Hey you're on a mission strip when you go to the gas pump. You're on a mission strip and tonight we need the power of God on our life. Hey I'm going to tell you tonight you say preacher what did they need power to do? I love this part so much please don't miss it but everything that Jesus did and he was showing them what to do in chapter 9 is exactly what he called them to do in chapter 10 you know what Jesus gave these men to do? Jesus gave these men the power to fulfill a calling to do everything he would be doing if he was there. Amen. You know what Jesus has done? He has, he has offered us the power. We just got to tap into it. Amen. We're hooked up to the big gun. Amen. Hey, this evening, hey, when we go out, we don't have to be meek and timid and put our head down. Uh, when we go out with the gospel, yes, we should be heart wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Hey, but you hear me and hear me well tonight. We can go out with the gospel with boldness tonight. We serve the King of Kings. We serve the Lord of Lords. Hey, it's his message and if they reject us they're not rejecting us they're rejecting him we just got to keep going with the gospel and he will give us the power to do so amen so I see number one now that's not a power trip this is power for the trip can I get an amen right there there is a big difference in that so I see there's power for this trip. But number two, in verses two through four, we see there are partners for the trip. And I'll not take time to read them because I'll say somebody's name wrong. But he gives the list of the 12 disciples and, and, and even uh, says the 12 Jesus sent forth in verse number five. So tonight there is there are the partners for the trip. And I want to say this, and I understand Brother Terry already dealt with a little bit about this other night. But you need to be careful who you yoke up with. Amen. You need to be careful who you allow your mentor to be. But you need you need somebody to go in and take, take the gospel with. Amen? You need somebody to go alongside. I'm going to tell you, uh, it, it offers safety. Amen? It offers accountability. It offers boldness. I mean, I love going and giving the gospel out. I love witnessing to people. But how many of y'all ever get that flesh rise up and your flesh is say, oh, they don't need it or uh, probably just me. Amen? That's all right. Amen? But my flesh rises up, preacher, and I get I get embarrassed. Y'all ever get that way? And I, I, I kind of shy away. Hey, 
Hey, but when me and Brother Samuel were out there together, hey, praise God, there's a little extra boldness. Y'all with me? Amen. Hey, when me and Brother Sam are sitting down at a restaurant and we see somebody over there, I'm a little bit more bold in going over when I got somebody with me. It's almost like Jesus planned it that way. Amen. Hey, because he sends them out two by two here. He sends them out two by two when he sends the 70 out. Uh, we see Peter and John. Amen. We see Paul and Silas. We see Paul and Barnabas. We see Paul and, and Timothy. We see Paul and Luke. Amen and amen. Uh, we see all of these people going two by two. And I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I believe Brother Saunders would probably agree with me. And I know Brother Nathan's seen it. But if we could send families out two by two, especially out west, overseas, hey, I'm telling you, there would be a lot more of a success rate of missionaries staying on the field. Amen and amen. Hey, and now you say, well, we just can't do that. Hey, neighbor, God did it. And if God could do it then, he could do it now. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you tonight, hey, when, when I hear Brother Stacy, when I hear of a missionary coming home, I used to get super critical and say, man, they're wasting that support. I hear of a missionary falling into, or messing up, getting into sin. I, get, I would get real critical. And then all of a sudden it hit me, Brother Steve. I don't need to be critical of them. I need to be critical of me. Because how many times did I pray for them? How many times did I call them? How many times did I, I, make, I make an effort to send them something? Amen. That's why Hands Across America is so important. That's why what my brother's doing is so important. That helps me. That's why what Brother Nathan's doing is so important because these missionaries, they need somebody beside them. Amen. Now, you say, well, preacher, everybody's not going to make it. Exactly, because there's a Judas even in Jesus' twelve. But the likelihood of making it when you... They didn't even know that's how close they were. Even at the end of the, the, the Jesus' ministry, they didn't know who the betrayer was. Because Judas was a part of this ministry. He even says it in Acts 1. He held a part in this ministry. Amen. I weep when somebody leaves, but you're a lot less likely to weep and, and, and people leave if we have them together. Amen. Work together in the... I, amen. We're all on the same team. When I heard Brother Peter tell that this morning, I didn't get jealous. You know why? Because I'm not competing with Brother Peter. We're on the same team. When he's winning, we're winning. Amen. When Brother Josh plants 50 churches in the jungles of Papua New Guinea and they may not all look like this, they may be under a tarp. Amen. But a tarp, you can have church under a tarp, amen. Hey, I'm happy about that because we're not in competition. We're on the same team. And when he's winning, I'm winning, amen. But the greatest partner in missions you'll ever have is your spouse. Amen. Now, listen, I didn't come up with this, so don't get mad at me later. All right? Brother James Rutman says this. Not Peter's grandson either. Amen. Brother James Rutten said, a lot of times most missionaries come off the field because of the wife, the wife, the wife, the wife, or the wife. He said, not in that order. Amen. And we, hey, I love women. I married one. My daughter's one. My mama's a woman. Amen. My sister's a woman. My grandmother's a woman. But you hear me, if you marry the wrong one, you can have all the talent and ability and potential in the world. If you marry the wrong one, it make your life really, really rough. There's a lot of people doing a lot that could be doing a lot more if they would have just waited on God's perfect will for their life. 
And I'm not trying to scare you to death, young people. Find the general will of God in here and God will reveal and start walking in it and God will give you the specific will of God in his life. God's will is not hard and it's not hidden. God's will, he doesn't have, Brother Sam, he doesn't, you remember the cartoon where they'd have the carrot out in front of the donkey trying to get the donkey to, and it's like you can never get the carrot? That's not how God works. God, you may think it's like that, but the, the waiting period is God developing you and it's also God developing the other person. And it's God getting all together and working that patience into your life. Don't get ahead of God. You, got, you know what God gave y'all? Parents. And they know more than you. And you say, well, preacher, my parents aren't perfect. Neither are you. Amen. I had, a, I had a, a, a man contact me last year before camp. He said, man, you got to help my boy. We're losing him. And, and, and can you take him? I said, send him to camp. We put him, we put him through a little bit extra, didn't we? didn't we, Brother Angel? We put that young man through a little bit extra at camp trying to work that out of him. But he called me a few weeks after camp. And Brother Steve, he was, he was you know, belly aching. He said, well, I'm trying to do right with my dad. And we're trying to get along. And I, and I said, well, be patient with your dad. He said, why? He said, I said, well, he's never had to raise an idiot before. He's new at this too. Amen. Hey, young people, your parents have your best, your best interest at mind. When the preacher gets up and preaches some things that rubs your flesh wrong, he has your best interest in mind. Amen. Just because she's pretty doesn't mean she's God's will. Just because he's at church and he might be handsome right now, handsome goes away. I've never had it. But I, I know I've been told that it goes away. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. I want to say I'm thankful for the partners in the ministry God's put in my life. I'm thankful for men like Brother Stacy Piercy that prays for me and I can call. I'm thankful for a pastor this morning that cared enough about something I was praying about to drive two hours to sit through a service just to go pray with me this afternoon. I'm thankful for Samuel Freed. I'm thankful for Josh Florence and my, my brother and brother. I'm thankful for these men. And we get to go and do the work of them. There's nothing better than that. Amen. I got I to gotta move. I got to move. Can I say this? There's accountability. If a missionary is by himself on the field, it's a lot easier for him to get into sin. A missionary that has somebody right beside him. And by the way, young people, if you do go to missions, don't be one way on deputation and get, get to, to the field and take all your clothes off. Don't go take all your clothes off or drop all your standards when you get to the field when you, when you got all everybody's money and be in one way. Just be, if you want to be that, be that. But don't, don't take every, amen. Don't take everybody's money and then go be something else. Be who, you, who you're going to be. Amen. Anyway, I'm sorry. Accountability. I see the power for this trip, the partners for this trip. But then I see the pattern for this trip. Look at verse number 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. Now we understand the dispensational uh, truth we're in right here is that Jesus came for the house, lost sheep of Israel. There is a dispensational time period here that we are not living in anymore. I'm making application out of this text. But may I make this application with this truth. God 
God may have a specific place for you. God more than likely has a specific place for you. And sometimes God's knows are God's goes. God said, don't go here, but go here. We got to be real sensitive to that. But there was a time in Paul's ministry where God would not let him go into Asia. He said, don't go to Asia. But then there was another time, Brother Jason, where he lets him go to Asia, and it's the most effectual ministry he ever had. He said, everybody in Asia's heard. What a statement that all in Asia, because he waited for God's timing. Do y'all understand that to this evening? I may just be preaching to young people this evening, but you hear me this evening. Sometimes God doesn't want to just swing you out to every single place. He's got a specific niche for you. He sends them out here to a specific place. He sends them out to the 70 to a specific place. And then all of a sudden you get to the Great Commission and he flings it out the door wide open. But God has a place for you. And let us keep in mind as a church, a lot of times people, People get upset when a missionary says, well, God, I've been in Thailand, but now God wants me to go to Japan. They're not getting off the field. They're not in doctrinal error. They've just got new directions from the Lord, just like these men here. And if we, we can't just drop them at a whim, amen? I know churches, man, if, if a missionary blows his nose the wrong way, they think he's out of the will of God. Give them a, let's give them some grace, amen? Because God's giving them grace. God redirects men. God redirects missionaries, and he shows Shows us that in the Bible. So we see the pattern. Look at this. But go, verse 8, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As ye go, preach. I love that. So as you go. His idea for these men at this time, and this is missions as much as anything. God's sending men out. Brother Stacy, he wasn't sending them to one place for 40 years to plant one church and stay there till they die. And I'm, if that's God's will for your life, I'm not against that. But we'll never fulfill the Great Commission like that. Amen. And I know there are hard places. I've got a friend, Brother David Ballinger, our church supports him. He was in the country of St. Vincent for seven years before he had his first convert. And sometimes it's a slow go, but he's always got that, that go, so as you go mentality. It's a hard place in New England sometimes. Hey, it takes time. It takes time in Europe. Amen. Hey, but the, the idea is that we should be sowing as we're going, hoping that that next one might be that man, and then you can go and get that next one. So as you go, and as Christians, you may never go to a mission trip. You may never go to a mission field. We have to have the same mentality. Hey, sir, can I give you a track? Hey, sir, can I give you the gospel? Hey, ma'am, can I give you? Hey, ma'am, have you ever known that Jesus loves you? We have to sow as we go. We have to be soul conscious. This is the pattern of missions continually moving. The first two letters of the word gospel are go. Hey, the commission is to go. And we don't just go and stop. We go and keep going and keep going. And keep going. If Paul would have stopped, if Paul would have got just quit, if Paul would have planted down, hey, we wouldn't have had the gospel. I believe that. We probably wouldn't have gotten the gospel where we're at today. But because he kept going, and Peter kept going, and others, and Apollos kept going, and Timothy kept going, and Titus kept going, hey, because Jesus kept going, hey, we got the gospel. We got to hear because somebody kept going, and we got to keep going and keep going and keep going. Amen. I see the power for this trip, the partners for this trip. I see the pattern for this trip, so as we go. Verses 9 through 15, we see the provision for this trip. 
And I know I, I'm trying to save some time. I'm not reading the whole chapter. Look at verse 9. This is so weird. This is so contrary to 20, 2022 thinking. Providing neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor scrip. Now look here. I grew up, we, me and my brother grew up down there in the, the bottom land of the mountains. And there was all them old timey Baptists that believed no scrip meant you couldn't take notes to the pulpit. I've been in churches where they had a mirror over the pulpit to make sure you didn't take a script, your notes, to the pulpit. So they had a saying back home. Some of them preachers couldn't remember what they wanted to preach, so they would write it on the inside of their jacket. And they got called Sears and Roebuck preachers. Amen? They got to, anyways, y'all, some of y'all ain't old, uh, young enough to remember that. Amen? But we, we see here no script for your journey, no, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, and for the Look at this. How can we go? How can we go? How are we going to make it, Lord, if I don't have something to fall back on? For the workman is worthy of his meat. He goes on to say that you're going to go into some towns and they're going to open their doors up to you and they're going to feed you and they're going to help you on your way. And they're going to take care of you. And they're going to buy you tires. And they're going to put fuel in your tank. And they're going to help you along the way. Amen and amen. Hey, you're going to go some places. He even says it. They're going to reject you. Amen. You just got to keep on going. Hey, I'm going to tell you, this sets forth the principle that God's people are to help God's people. Amen. May I say this? We shouldn't get, and I don't think this church does, but I've been to places that do. When a missionary walks in, they think, oh, here's another moochinary. These are not moochinary. Amen. These are people that are forsaking the American dream to go and do what God's called them to do. And the workman truly is worthy of his hire. Hey, we should get aggravated. Because I want to tell you, uh, sometimes we call deputation purgatory. Can I get an amen right there? Hey, but it really isn't. It's a training ground. I don't think it needs to be three or four years long. Amen. I believe we could get them to the, to the field quicker. But you hear me tonight. We, Brother Ellis, I believe this with all my heart. Churches need missionaries and missionaries need churches we need somebody to come in and preach missions to us on a Wednesday night or get up and give a testimony and remind us of what God's heartbeat is we need somebody to come in and irritate our flesh we need preacher to get up and say hey we're going to take up another offering and we're going to take up another offering he's already said it that opens up the windows of heaven that keeps God's blessing here that keeps God moving here hey when we keep giving and sending and going and those that come in we give them and help them on their way we buy them a set of tires. Hey, I, I, I can just hear them now. The devil getting in the truck with Brother Stacy. What are you going to do? You got flamethrowers coming out the back of your truck. What are you going to do? How are you going to get tired? How are you going to haul that trailer if you don't have tires? I bet you won't be able to find him on your way back to Tennessee tonight. Hey, because tomorrow. Hey, because now he's got new tires. Now he's got what he needed. I'm going to tell you tonight. If you'll serve God, young people, God will take care of you. Hey, he can provide. He will provide. Amen. 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 I rem man, I got I got a few more minutes. I remember in, in uh, April of two or uh, April of 2014, March of 2014, we had our black dodge and we were praying for a uh, a, a tank, a big tank, to, a gravity fed tank. Brother Jeremy knows what I'm talking about. A big diesel tank to go in there. Back in the good old days when diesel was under three dollars. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. And. Uh, 
we, we didn't have the money to get the tank. The, the truck was already uh, ported for it. And a man walked up to me in a meeting and said, hey, I noticed your truck's got this thing for a tank. I said, well, yes, sir. He said, well, how much are they? I said, about $700. He said, well, go get one. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, this is for believers only. This point's for believers only. And so I, then this started happening. We had to go out west. We went out west that summer. It was the first time we took a trip out west hauling our camper. And in July, I thought, I'm just going to keep up with how much fuel God gives us. All right? 118 gallons. Uh, by the way, during that, that month of July, Brother Stacy Piercy was pastoring, and he was one of the men that filled those tanks up. Now, I would have a pastor say, Brother Hill, we want to fill your, your tank up. And I said, now listen, brother, I got a big tank. I want to give them a, y'all understand, I want to give them a heads up. And, and I was like, look, brother, you don't know, no, we want to do it. And I said, all right. Man, they get around 100 gallons. Their eyes are starting to get teared up a little bit. Amen. That's how I felt every time. But they, Brother Stacy was one of the men that put fuel in our tank. Can I tell you, from July to September that year, we put $4,740 of fuel in our tank and never paid for a dime of it. We would go, and I mem you remember me telling you, Brother Stacy, we would go one place, and they said, let me put a little fuel. And we had not even drawn a quarter of a tank yet, and they'd fill it up. And then somebody else would fill it up, and somebody else would get all the way down to the bottom, and we'd have a missionary on deputation say, hey, Brother Hewitt, we want to be a blessing to you. Hey, $4,740 in that tank. That you say, can God do that for me? You better believe he can do that for you. I remember reading the stories of Percy Ray and Oliver Green and hearing Brother Ballou and Brother Sammy tell those stories and Brother Green I said God would you give me some stories like that but I found out you don't get stories like that sitting at home you don't get stories like that I play taking it easy you don't get stories like that living the American dream oh but if you'll go he'll take care of you hey Brother Noah he's going to take care of you he's going to he's able he's able he's able to fill your tank he's able to give you tires he's able to give you bills He's able to give you souls. He's able to give you a spouse. Hey, God's able tonight. Hey, let him take care of you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I see the provision for the trip. I see the, the largest part of this chapter, 16 through 33. I'm not going to read it, but it's all about persecution. Look at verse 1. Behold, I, or verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheaves in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents, harmless as doves. You know, it ain't always going to be easy. Brother Ruckman said this, God doesn't always send people to save places, save spaces, and save faces. Do you know that, that most of the world is over in that Asia corner, that, that India, Mongolia, China area, almost half of our globe. And they've only got 0.03 of our missionaries. 0.03%. Is God not calling to the hard places? I believe he is. I'd say where you're going to the average person say it's hard. And it's not hard to God. There are no closed countries, just creative access countries. God's not, you can't close a country to God. Come on. How, what kind of door you got to close against God? 
If God wants to get the gospel into a country, He could call some young man or some... I know a young lady right now, 23 years old, preparing to teach English in a closed country. She is single. She is going to teach English for the, for the only sake to go and teach the gospel and give the gospel in a country she could lose her head in. You say, preacher, that's scary. Yeah, but you know it's more scary? Living 50 years in the American dream and accomplishing nothing for the glory of God. I see tonight, it's persecution. And, and it's amazing. Why does, why does, look at verse 23. What does persecution do? It doesn't hurt the church. He never says it hinders. It never hinders the gospel. But when they persecute you in this city, flee you into another. Do you see that? Why did they get persecuted in that city? Because they preached the gospel, right? If they preach the gospel here, they get persecuted. And Brother Sam, what happens? They have to go to the next city. And then they get to this city and they persecute them there. What are they doing? They're preaching the gospel. So what do they have to do? They have to go to the next city. Persecution's always been a blessing to the church. It is what flung the gospel out through the whole Roman Empire. And I'm not signing up for it. I'm not saying, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. But you hear me tonight. Hey, it would be a lot easier to do it in liberty than it would under bondage. I see that. Why, why does persecution come to people doing God's will? Look at verse 24. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. If he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we're going to be like our Savior. There'll have to be some of that in our life as well. I see the persecution. But then he talks about, in verses 39 through 34 through 39, the prevention of this trip. Isn't it amazing, Brother Stacy? He never said that persecution hinders the gospel. It actually helps the gospel. But what hinders the gospel? Look at verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth, I came to, not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother... That's a hard verse right there. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and falleth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. He doesn't say money. He doesn't say persecution. He says our family is a lot of times what hinders the gospel. And I, I tread lightly here because you don't need to be disrespectful to your parents or your family. Amen. I've already said that. But there comes a time in a lot of people's lives, and, and I believe we've got good homes and good families here, but I'm preaching in general because it's in the text. Is everybody with me? I have heard people say statements like this. You'll not take my grandbabies to the other side of the world. Man, that's a scary statement. We know, I know of a young man tonight, Brother Stacy, he's got so much potential. And his daddy said, you will not go and do this. Because you've got to have something to fall back on. This young man's got potential and ability. And he's not doing anything with it. Because you have to come to a point... Are you going to go with God or are you going to go with everybody else? And can I say this? I I've watched preacher Miss Nolita. It was almost like they threw a party when the girls got married. I've I, never seen nothing like it. Amen. I'm just kidding. Amen. 
Most people are all down and out when they're family. But I watched them raise children that wanted to serve God. Amen. Amen. I've watched you raise children, Brother Stacy, that, that want to serve God. Amen. And I want to be the kind of parent, God help me, then when it comes that time to let go of the arrow string, that I'll be willing to let go. I see lastly tonight, what's the purpose of this trip? What is the purpose of this missions trip? Look at verse 40. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. We don't do missions to get glory. We don't, get, we don't do missions so somebody writes a book about us. It is exciting to go 20 hours down a river on a dinghy and say crocodile and know that you're going down where our forefathers couldn't because of cannibals. Somebody paid the price. It is exciting. It's exciting. But that's not why we do it. Why do we do it? Why do we go? Why do you go to King? It ain't because you just love the people. There ain't going to be sweet tea up there, bud. Take that Louisiana with you. But you're not, if you just went for the people, your love for that people could change. We go so they will receive him that sent us. We're going for him. We're ambassadors. We are ministers of reconciliation. And it's not a drudgery to go and do missions. It's the best thing you'll ever do because we're on orders from the king. Amen.